The Secrets of Stargate is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, episode 107. General West, Jackson has identified the seventh symbol. All right, here we go. We are about to try to make a connection. All we gotta do is bust out of here, commandeer the ship, and fly on home. You say that a lot. I know that this could be dangerous. But this is our job, right? It's what we signed on to do. It was never about going home. It's about getting us to where we're going. Hi, I'm Jack Barazzini, and you're listening to The Secrets of Stargate, where we talk about the hidden meanings and deeper layers found in Stargate movies, TV series, and more. And joining me today are Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father. Howdy, Jack. And Lisa Jones. Hi, Lisa. Hey, Jack. And Victor Lambs. Hey, Victor. Hi, Jack. Today we are discussing the 20th episode of Season 5, The Sentinel. SG-1 has traveled to a planet called Latona, where they learned that the Latonans, an ancient civilization, created a powerful weapon called the Sentinel to protect their planet from Gould attack. However, the Sentinel has been damaged by a rogue NID team, and the Gould are planning to attack the planet. SG-1 must repair the Sentinel and save it from destruction. SG-1 is able to find the Sentinel, but they discover that it requires a human life force to operate. Colonel Sean Graves, one of the members of the NID team, volunteers to sacrifice himself to power the Sentinel. He dies, but the Sentinel is activated and protects the planet from the Gould fleet. Latona is saved, but SG-1 knows that the Latonians will never forgive them for what Greaves did. And about half of your summary takes place in the last 30 seconds of the episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's because yeah. yeah. half of what happens in the episode takes place, place in, in the last, last 30, 30 seconds. seconds. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think I joked earlier that uh, I feel like you could call this episode part A, trying to explain technology to a very old person, mm-hmm. and part B, uh, trying to solve the uh, magic uh, Simon game. Yeah. There was a lot of that. Boop, boop. Beep, boop. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts on this episode, Father? Slow. It. I mean, it's not the, the worst episode by any stretch of imagination, but it is really slow. Um, obviously, it's a follow-up to Shades of Grey, the, the NID, you know, showing mm-hmm. the damage that NID did out there, out in the universe, especially with the uh, Earth's reputation and things like that. But it's just slow. It, 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 like you guys are just saying, you know, you have five minutes of the episode were the important part, the end, you know, the last five <laughs> minutes and that was it. So yeah, it was an okay episode, but like I said, slow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it, it felt, I don't know. It didn't feel like it was overly long. Like I liked it was kind of a slow burner. Like it worked with the characters they had. I thought, mm-hmm. What about you, Lisa? Um, it's a planet of the week, and I like that there was a callback to earlier season NID. We were getting that, even though they weren't characters we'd seen before, they were new, mm-hmm. but they tried to make or them look they? like we'd seen them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> they added them into previously on SG1. They like yeah, exactly. added them into the clips so that we'd think we'd seen them. But I'm with Father Corey a little bit because I did, it was slow. Um, but I think, it, I mean, I enjoyed it. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not one that I would sit and watch a lot. There's not, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm mixed. There's parts of it I really liked, and then parts of it I was like, eh. So, 
But overall, I thought it was a good story. Mm-hmm. What about you, Victor? Yeah, there's a lot of really good ideas in this episode. Um, I like the idea of, you know, t- uh, painting the using a UAV to paint the mm-hmm. gun emplacements mm-hmm. on the other side of the gate, then firing like the hellfires or whatever through. I thought that was cool. There's a lot of really cool ideas in this. I don't think it ever really spreads its wings and reaches its full potential, but I do like it. It's one of my favorite just because it has uh, Henry Gibson in it, <laughs> who plays the earnest, like trusting person so well when he's not yep. playing the leader of the Illinois Nazis and fighting the Blues Brothers. But I, I hate <laughs> Illinois Nazis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no. I mean, he's he's it's always it's always a treat when when you see him pop up. I was watching an episode of The Fall Guy uh recently and he showed up in that so he's you know shows up in in everything over the past like 50 years of of you know shows and whatnot well and he's done comedy and yeah he is was such a great actor Mm -hmm. but like a lot of the ideas he's underutilized in Mm -hmm. in this as well he has i think one scene that they split up you know a, a bit but you know they never really revisit or close you know circle back and close the loop with him um so yeah it's it's I like the idea of it. You know, they're, they're shooting, there's, you know, a cool alien city, but it never really, it it could have gone to the next level and it never really gets there for me. Yeah. I feel like, so we only see, I think we only see three Latonians in the entire episode. And so they, they're this big city and it looks like they put a lot of, a lot more work into giving you this pretty unique, like, environment for this planet and these sets and stuff like it doesn't look like they just like threw up something quickly mm-hmm. um you get like the cool map paintings in the background and everything yeah. but mm-hmm. the city feels totally empty because if you have him and then i guess i think it's supposed to be his daughter comes in at one point and then mm-hmm. you have the guy who's running the sentinel the caretaker you have him in a the flashback flash, but yeah. that's it and so mm-hmm. yeah you don't really yeah. get to know who the latonans really are other than this one guy who doesn't know how to use zoom yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jack at one point says, people are dying. And you're like, really? Like, we haven't seen any people die. We've seen like the, the shots come down from the uh, Gould mothership and are kind of superimposed on the city. The city itself mm-hmm. doesn't actually have any mm-hmm. damage, like right after suffering yeah. a direct hit. So, but yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but I mean, and, and, and this advanced alien weapon is like housed in like the brush pile where like the city dumps all the yard waste that people leave out at the curb or something. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, pile of, it, pile of branches and logs yeah. and leaves and everything. Yeah. And it's in some random cave. Like you'd think it'd be deep underground or in the middle of the city or something, but I guess my headcanon for that can be this system was set up so long ago and the culture has regressed to become so mm-hmm. tech, like tech illiterate that they maybe there used to be a building over it and it just collapsed over time and they don't really know because they don't go look at it. But then you have the guy who's running this, the caretaker who's controlling the system and you don't really learn anything about him. Like was he, had he been there for hundreds of years and he had to guard it or did they have like a, like a succession or something. They don't really touch on any right. of that. Yeah. And he doesn't actually of... run it. Yeah. He's just there to touch it. If they're attacked and sacrifice himself. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, I, I got the feeling that there was a, a succession of people yeah. who yeah. ran it, you know, 
Um, and this just happened to be the latest one, the guy that got shot. But um, yeah, it's it's, and they did say that the the this this uh society had regressed technologically, where mm-hmm. they had they're to the point of that you know even just fixing the lights, that kind of thing. You know, the lights just work, so they don't worry about it. They don't think about it, but they couldn't fix it if something did happen to their electrical supply, for example. Um, so the idea of being able to work on the Sentinel is is completely foreign to them. I don't I don't have a problem so much about how it was hidden, you know, maybe that was something that was done on purpose way back when to make it less noticeable from space cuz you're just going to see this pile of oh that's just rubbish. Yeah. Oh, wait, that pile of rubbish can now just wipe out your entire fleet in the blink of an eye. Mm-hmm. And Jack as you were describing the Sentinel like, you know, it was created hundreds of years ago, nobody ever goes and looks at it. They've kind of, you know, forget that it's even there. I was thinking it was a good, um, like, metaphor for, like, the Bill of Rights. Something just people <laughs> protects them. They take it for granted. <laughs> Has to be renewed every sure. once in a while with a caretaker. I don't you know. touch but it, you evaporate? It, I don't know. That's, it requires that's sacrifice common, to, yeah. I don't know. That's a common theme, though, in, in sci-fi is, yeah. uh, you know, this is super advanced technology mm-hmm. that's protecting the people. And because the people are being protected by it, they don't realize, you know, anything about it they don't know anything about it just because it's there it's passed into fable and story more than actual technology that they know know how to work on kind of like all the uh systems running in uh fortran still that keep our world running that we don't really think about (laughs) (laughs) at least we still have people who know how to fix on those that's true yeah no i tried to look at fortran code one time and i felt like i was going to evaporate (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I, I'm never even bothered. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. I, I really liked uh, Graves. He was a, he was a, he played that character well. Like, the, yeah, mm-hmm. he was smarmy, but you didn't, you didn't absolutely hate him, even though he was kind of mm-hmm. awful. Like he, I mean, <laughs> you, you, I disliked him, but I, he had charisma. I liked to dislike. If that makes mm-hmm. sense. I, I, I don't know. There was there were a couple of times where I wanted to smack the stupid out of him, but you know, just because he was <laughs> to that point of like total arrogance. Yeah, you know where it's where like he's sitting there in the jail and he's like, "Oh, I'm not going to talk to you. I don't want anything to do with you." And oh, by the way, I were better than you. And oh yeah, who's in jail and who isn't? Who's yeah. facing the death penalty and who isn't? Well, you know? even when he's letting the the caretaker die, I mean, I kind of I'm kind of with Jack on that one because I kind of liked that they didn't try to redeem him they weren't mm-hmm. you weren't confused yeah about who he was or who exactly. he was being you know what i mean there was no confusion there um yeah, he just he with, was the bad guy because at least with with kershaw you know you could see that she had changed mm-hmm. and she wasn't quite 100 percent fully on board with everything yeah. that graves graves mm-hmm. wanted to do and even you know and even you know after he shot this guy she's saying we've got to save him we've got to help him we you know we can't just let him die and He's like, nope. Don't even think about it. You know? He's like, I have my mission. I have my orders. This is it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Have matters. you forgotten that thing called America? Yeah. You know? I mean, it was that kind of speech. <laughs> and I like, uh, yeah. I like that. That's that he basically was wedded to his mission to the point of being completely immoral about it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I like that it wasn't. He wasn't doing it for personal gain. He was just like very ideologically obsessed with his mission. And I, I like that they didn't have him like try to betray the team at all. Like he was just 
obsessed with his yep. mission. He did mm-hmm. anything he could to accomplish it. And he was a pretty bad guy, but they didn't try to add in any like, is he going to actually help out the gold or are the gold yeah. going to give him an offering or something? So I, I like that they kept that fairly straightforward. It worked better. Right. And if they tried to do that, it either would have been confusing mm-hmm. or it could have been, I mean, if they did it well, it would have been really awesome. But um, I, I think there was, there was a little, I don't say it felt like there was a little much explanation needing to happen in this episode that they, you know, it just, it just didn't quite the, like you said, the middle of it just didn't quite come together. So if they tried to throw that at us too, I'm like, Oh, one more thing to mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. try to figure out what's going on. Let me get Christina Cox as Kershaw and, and she was very good in this role. Um, yep. Mm-hmm. And she comes back in an, like probably the most like horror themed episode of Atlantis. <laughs> like, oh, nice. It's actually like legitimately scary. Like when it's late in late in Atlantis and stuff, but she comes, she comes nice. back as like part of like an all female Stargate uh, SG team. Nice. And she was awesome. in an earlier episode yep. of Stargate. Yeah. It was Takaya. That was. Yeah. She plays three different uh, roles in the show. Oh, that's First right. I season? forgot she was the. Remember. The creepy, mouth, weird mouth face uh-huh. alien. Yeah. The ones that were the spirits, right? Yep. On the planet. Yep. And I kept thinking, uh, the actor who plays uh, Sean Graves, he really looks familiar. It's uh, Frank Cassini. He's been in a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, but yes. I think I just got kind of like a Jason Statham vibe from him. I think that's what I was picking up on, like tough guy kind of kind mm-hmm. of thing without the accent, but you know. And apparently they were filming this on September 11th. So if there was kind of that theme of, you know, being on mission and, you know, supporting yep. America, you know, that could have come through as well from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we didn't well. mention uh, Grogan was back. Sergeant or Lieutenant Grogan? Exactly. <laughs> He's a little confused. <laughs> yeah. But he didn't get shot, though he didn't no, he pass didn't. out and survived because he was asleep. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Pretty much, he passed out from manly exertion and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> fell asleep. Yeah, because they he's like just lying next to the road, and he just kind of pops up. Thought that was <laughs> yeah, unintentionally was comedic. <laughs> I'm here yeah. too. You know, he's lying by the road, and then he actually picks up. Was it Jack? Wasn't it Jack that picked up his gun? Yeah, you guys like, oh, hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. But I'm glad it, he didn't die. I mean, yeah. That that kind of went with his character from before, right? Yep. That he was mm-hmm. always messing something up and getting fake shot or whatever. So it was kind of neat to see him pop up there. He was the one who was being so rude to uh, Henry Gibson, uh, trying to get him to look at the camera. Yeah, that was my favorite part of the whole episode. He's like, <laughs> "What do I say? Just say hello." Yeah, just like come <laughs> up. No. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> was was that? Uh, Grogan or was that a? I think that was Grogan. I thought it was supposed to be an NID video. Oh, well, yeah. Was it the original? It may have been the original. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the original NID oh, team. I thought. Henry. I thought it was when they went through again. No, I, I think it was. I think that was. Uh, I think that was Greaves that okay. was, and that's where Jack was reacting so strongly against him. Mm-hmm. Mm, that makes more sense then that it because, wasn't Grogan. Because you look at how yeah. Grogan reacted to. Uh, Marul when Jack was there and he was very respectful and explaining things and, mm-hmm. you know, 
you know, different characters. So, no, I think that was that was uh, Greaves, that Colonel Greaves, that was doing the video. Okay, that makes more sense. I do, I do like the way Marul stood up to the Jaffa commander, though. It's like, yeah, it's like mm-hmm. you will die. It's like, no, we won't serve. We won't die. <laughs> <It's just> like, <laughs> completely uh, taking yeah. a very courageous but detached from reality uh yeah type stand there he finally uh finally figured out how to not be waffly about stuff yeah mm-hmm. but it is it is like it is funny though when like kind of the jaffa like intimidation tactics they don't they come up against a race where they just don't work it's like giant voice in the sky it's like you know who cares yeah. Yeah, you know that sort of thing. So it is. It is kind of funny when, like, kind of the the intimidation tactics that might work on on a culture like you know five thousand years ago don't work on. Yeah, a more you, advanced... you will bow to the power of of the gold. Why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, we're it's not going like... to force people to do that. Why should we do that? <laughs> Trying to reason with a the four year old a little bit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I did we... notice. Um, I know later on in like Atlantis, uh, I feel like the gold emblems on their foreheads get less and less apparent because now they used to all be like that gold kind of almost mm-hmm. like hot glue sometimes like medallion yeah. thing on the forehead. But yep. now it's just like the black markings. And I know I've seen a couple, uh, I've not watched any Atlantis, but I've seen at least one picture where there's a gold and it's like barely there. Like this little like mark. Well, now, so. Now depends the, the, on the gold. The gold yeah. ones, the golds yeah. are supposed to be the first prime. They're supposed to be the like the chief gold or chief uh, Jaffa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But um, and then everybody else just has the uh, like the black mark. I guess tattoo, basically. tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you'll see people like like Teal'c's buddy in the uh, you know the um, Katano episode where he actually has like removed mm-hmm. it, and so he has like scar tissue. Yep. Oh yeah. Over, yeah. Mm-hmm. He used to go see a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> and it's uh it's interesting um because you I you very strongly disagree with what NID is doing, but at the same time you can understand the frustration that this alien race has this weapon that they don't understand at all and they're not gonna let anyone even look at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas that could I feel like if that's something you just reverse engineer, you could distribute that to every planet and that would take care of all your gold problems. Yep, but look, they tried and they broke it. Well, they didn't break it. They just kind of took away its power source by killing out the caretaker. (laughs) (laughs) They pulled the battery out. They let the batteries out. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Daniel says he recognizes the symbols and they're like, you can read that? He's like, no, but I can. No, know. but I could read it because this yeah. says this and this says this. Yeah. <laughs> I can conveniently but, read that. Yeah. Life force two is one. You connect the dots yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. But they, they were sent to reverse engineer it and yet they had no idea. Like there's markings all over it and they're like, meh, can't read it. Yep. Which just. Yeah. No one accidentally touched it, I guess, which is good. <laughs> or touched the handles, I guess, as yeah. they were taking it apart <laughs> or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, that part wasn't a little, wasn't too, you know. <laughs> well thought out but um i did like the embarkation scene as they're going through the gate first and they're you know uh kershaw says you know i feel much better knowing an archaeologist has my back and 
and Daniel oh, has yeah, his tactical yeah. he holds knife. He's like, what, what end do the bullets go in again? Yeah. So I thought that was a fu- very funny scene. And then in, in the end, it was the archaeologist that, you know, got him into the force field and mm-hmm. figured out the uh, the riddle of the sentinel. Well, you know, Grease was sitting there mocking him and, you know, let's take it all this time to figure this out. And Daniel's like, shut up. I'm trying to listen to this. I've got, I think I've got to figure it figured out. Okay, now I got it. Yeah. Why don't you go help yeah. you know, shoot something and I'll, I'll, I'll solve it for you, you know? <laughs> It, I was kind of impressed with Daniel's ability that she says, do you even know what you're looking for? And what does he say? The mathematical mathematical progression of the harmonics in each given pattern relative to the, I'm like, why do you know that? I don't know. Cause, he, Cause he's Daniel. He knows everything. Yeah. Yeah, perfect pitch, I guess. <laughs> he took a mu- music theory class in, in college. Isn't he supposed to have like a bajillion degrees or something? Yeah. So maybe, yeah. Like a career student. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he did learn something about, the science I, of music. I don't know. I was going to say after his, uh, his parents are crushed by the giant styrofoam block, he turned to music <laughs> to, uh, yeah. Work through yeah. his grief. He was adopted by Alfred lived in a manor. Hmm. Um, but Damn no, yeah, man. I thought the music was, was, was very well done. It kind of reminded me almost of like whale song a little bit, but at, at least at the beginning, you know, some of the tones and whatnot, but I, I did like that part. Yeah. And then they, they fend off like an entire platoon of Jaffa with like one, you know, P90 and a staff blast and a, what is it? Like a Beretta with like. Yep. 1911. Yeah. He gives, <laughs> Daniel gives Greaves his, his, you know, sidearm, but no extra magazines, yeah. which, yeah. which is kind of like, here you go. <laughs> I mean, you just get out of my way, basically. Half a, half a Jaffa at this point. Yeah. With, with that, I did but. notice that Teal'c was a lot more accurate shooting that staff weapon than in the episode a couple of times ago. What was it? Warrior. Yeah. Where they were having them demonstrate the staff weapon and the guy, you know, Mm -hmm. only hit the log like once every 10 times. And, oh, no, Teal'c was much better at it. And taking lessons from Carter. Yep. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And you notice she was, she was doing the military fighting role versus the science tech role this time. Mm -hmm. And Daniel got to do the science tech role. Yeah. I guess that's because it's more of a anthropological angle to it. Because it's ancient technology, and he's kind of the archaeologist for the team. As good and good an explanation as any. Maybe hmm. he just had been lightly used the last few episodes, and he needed something to do. So I guess their whole and this is this is my uh, biggest problem with the episode was that you don't really get any sort of explanation for why the device works the way it does, and I'm assuming that the idea is that it's so powerful that you would only want to use it in dire in dire need when someone would have to sacrifice themselves to use it. I guess that's the idea. But that got me thinking, what if you like got a dog to use it? Like does it differentiate between human life or animal life? Like <laughs> I think you need thumbs. You need opposable thumbs in order to grip yeah. the chimpanzees. Do they have opposable thumbs? I think so. Okay. Yeah, probably then, but not cats. <laughs> Some cats train, have thumbs. Train your cat. Like, yeah. And parakeets are right out. Get some Hemingway's <laughs> cats. If if you if you let a cat run it, everybody would be dead except the cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do. Like the entire planet would be wiped out except that cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My cat is looking at me angrily now, so that's what we're talking about. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess at the end of the day, the weapon is just kind of a MacGuffin. But mm-hmm. I wanted to know more about it. Yeah, but they're not going to let them research it, probably. Nope. 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 <laughs> and we'll never hear about it again. Nope. 
Nope. Well, speaking of never hear, hear of again, you know, we meet Svrog, Savrog, however uh-huh. you pronounce his name, uh, mm-hmm. in the uh, the two-parter summit last yep. stand, and then he dies in this one. That's it. Yep. Yep. Quick. He lasted a couple episodes. At least we got to see him again, right? Yeah, hear him. <laughs> hear him. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Briefly. <laughs> so is this one that... I know that whenever they list off like the list of names of the cool the SG one is like taken out. Like half of them SG one didn't even really take mm-hmm. out. So this yeah. is probably another one they'll get credit for, even though it was yeah. you know and the they were there. That, yeah, is it is it on yeah. their little their little what do you call it like the list of uh, oh their yeah. kill list their yeah. kill yeah. list yeah. their death note <laughs> it doesn't sound good does it oh. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, well, kind of like aircraft where they, you know, they paint the, the aircraft, they, yeah. they, right, get, they right. knock down, you know. Just a Somewhere bunch of in SG, you see there's a little plaque where yeah. they, they chisel in every right. enemy that SG-1 kills. Isn't that what football players on their helmets, they have all those stickers, aren't those for like tackles Sometimes, or Sometimes, like tackles. So or... that they could do that on their uniforms. Oh, they could it's have not little... the number of concussions they've received. <laughs> no. <laughs> they could have like patches on their sleeve. Yeah, yeah. they could, yeah. Or on they guns. could have like... Those punch cards you get at Subway, and when they kill five uh, ghouls, yeah. they get a free foot long. There you go. <laughs> oh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> I'm gonna Redeemable need to only in the cafeteria. Now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they get jello. Yeah, there you go. That's every time, they're, they're, every time they're getting jello from the cafeteria, that's because they've killed off another gold. Yep. There you go. That are Fruit Loops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we again see see Walter wearing Major Davis's clothes again. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Or at least still his patch. Yeah. That is so funny. I wish we'd asked uh, Malazi about that, if that was intentional or a screw up. or We've got to have him back because we've got a list. Because yeah. at this point, did, they, did they formally give him his, his last name, Harriman? What would they give... <sighs> They've given him Walter so. because we knew of, it was Walter yeah. at this yeah. point. That was 2010 is when we knew that. But that name tag didn't say Walter. It said no Norman. Do- Norman. Norm- yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, oh. It was just the extra <laughs> uniform laying around. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I know they also uh on the keyboards they would rearrange the letters to say uh some not safe for television kind of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a um, reason why and, you don't see the keyboards very often. Yeah. But I wonder if it's one of those things where, I mean, I guess this is 2002. So at that point, HDTV was, mm-hmm. you might be worrying more about the patches, but I don't know. Thinking no one would notice. <laughs> That's what they got to realize, though, is that when you're making a sci-fi show, nerds are going to like comb through it and ask every question about every <laughs> single inconsistency. Yeah. But by, by this point, they were. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I guess if I was a showrunner on a show, I would throw in inconsistencies just to mess with the audience. So they would <laughs> yeah. talk about it. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Just play with well, them. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, it's funny though. I mean, there, there are shows that are really good about that. And then you have like Star Trek where they just kind of make things up on the fly. It seems like, no, <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Just a lot kidding. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like, uh, in uh, Lower Decks, they actually point that out with the inconsistencies of the rank pips. At one point, mm-hmm. they have a character whose pips are always changing, and someone asks him about it, and it's actually like a piece of porn that got stuck to his collar. Oh, yeah, that's right. So, yep. <laughs> that was good. I did read online that uh, Joseph Malazzi was not a fan of this episode. Hmm. And he said it was a misfire. 
Yeah, I, I could see how, like like I said, there was a lot of potential here that it never really came together, mainly in, you know, Henry Gibson's character never really, you know, went anywhere. Um, But yeah, it's it's one I, I'd like watching, mm-hmm. you know, because mm-hmm. it's, it's shooty and, you mm-hmm. know, there's alien technology and Henry Gibson's in it, so. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and I like to see how they had to solve the problem. I always think that's interesting. And so yeah. using the the um sounds to try to get past the force field and then it wasn't a tech technical they put it back together wrong. There there was a human component. Like I thought I liked that. I like that the steps that were there rather than mm-hmm. just blow it up. You know? Mm-hmm. And and I like that there was like the NID team was like just as smart, if not smarter than SG one, because yeah. I don't think Carter could have taken that apart and with Daniel put it back together. It's kind of wrong though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, like SG-1's supposed to be the best and the brightest of everybody and there's other people that are yeah. just as smart. But they would it's have wrong. realized the human component like right away and stuff Probably. so they wouldn't have needed to take it apart. <laughs> They'd be we like, go. well, we can't use this because it'll kill somebody to to fire <laughs> it off. So They wouldn't have shot the guy either, yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice because they could have gone the route of them just being bumbling idiots. And that's kind of what S- the SG team assumes throughout the episode. But then you see they didn't put it together wrong. They're just evil. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about uh, Greaves, uh, him sacrificing himself at the end? Do you feel like that was a redemption for him? Or do you feel like he was just at the end of his rope and it's, he did what he had to do? Like, I think it's a redemption. Trying to redeem himself. Did he know he was going to die? I think so. I think he's not. He knew. Yeah. 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 I I I think it was a redemption. I think he once he realized what it meant to become one. Once he realized what that meant, he he was willing to do it. He didn't even argue about it. He just did it. You know, and it kind of he realized he's the one that caused the problem, and he's the one who fixed the problem. He was also standing right there. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Not like Kershaw was going to jump up and do it. Tortured and, um, you know, by the Jaffa or yeah, be the hero. So, well, yeah. the, the irony, of course, is the two the two NID characters who are going to get the death penalty anyways. They both die, but they die as heroes, not villains. Yep, you either yeah. die a hero or live long enough to not. Die hero. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Y'all have any other uh, thoughts on this episode? Nope. <laughs> I think we talked um, I think we, we we've talked more about this episode than this episode had for plot, so one hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> it's got Henry Gibson in it. There yeah. There, there was a really cute quippy scene with uh Tilk in the beginning at the Oh yeah. Table. Yeah, we didn't mention that one. Yeah, mm, that that's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. We uh, have some feedback uh, from Victoria. She sent an email to Stargate at sqpn.com and she says, first off, I wanted to thank you for this podcast. It has been great fun rewatching SG one alongside listening to this and hearing everyone's perspectives. When I watched the show a decade ago, Carter was one of my favorite characters. Season two's secrets further cemented that for me. I love that she's strong and smart, but also emotional and not afraid to hide her feelings. Thanks to Amanda Tapping's wonderful performance of her. Carter is an excellent role model in many ways for young women on how you don't have to love, lose your emotional side 
to be a capable professional. I can't wait to see her and the rest of the SG-1 team as I continue through this rewatch. But to a woman like me, Carter will always be the star of the team. Thanks, Victoria. Really appreciate uh, appreciate your feedback. Yeah. And that actually got me thinking. Um, Stargate does a much better job with its women characters than Star Trek has. Mm-hmm. With, with Sam, like, for all that Star Trek talks about, like, uh, moving forward the roles of women in, in television, uh, Sam Carter is a much more well-rounded, realistic person who's not just there for yeah. either eye candy or to be like weird and emotionless. Like a lot of, uh, like thinking to Paul, I guess she was going to be the both. Mary Sue character or something like that. Right. Yeah. She's a well-rounded realized character. Who's not just there for check marks or to get views. So I definitely agree with that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. she's a really good. I would say I was in my, uh, still in my twenties, I think when the show came out and, yeah, she was definitely one of the main draws for me to watch the show was was her being a strong character and they they avoided what so many other sci-fi shows did in the, that time period, which was let them in suggestive clothing, not give them a real purpose. I mean, they gave her a purpose. They kept her in her military clothes for the most part. A couple, couple of hiccups there in the beginning. But but they they respected her as a person, and she was one of the team. She wasn't the girl on the team. She was, mm-hmm. you know, one of the team. And um, so for me, as a young professional woman in the in the nineties and to early two thousands, yeah, it was a huge reason why I watched the show. Yeah, they, yeah for the eye candy, they would they use the Tokra women like that's Vanessa right. Angel, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they tried. It didn't go well, but they, they tried. Yeah, it didn't go very well, but they tried. <laughs> That's always big. That's always been my big problem with Voyager because that's, I think that's my favorite Star Trek series just because it's the one I grew up watching. So I have nostalgia mm-hmm. for it. But I always hated. I kind of didn't like Seven of Nine just because her character was so poorly done. And so it's been nice to see in the newer shows, actually giving, uh, giving her some, giving making her more realistic characters, mm-hmm. not just there mm-hmm. in a really awful outfit. Mm-hmm. What was what was wrong with her outfit? <laughs> I didn't know anything wrong with her outfit. We'll discuss that offline. Yeah. Yeah. Y'all could discuss that without me. <laughs> the other thing you see about Carter is that if you watch shows, especially sci-fi shows nowadays, with women characters, they it's like they have a chip on their shoulder and they have something to prove. They mm-hmm. they're always, you know, and we got that in the very first episode with her with like my reproductive organs are on the inside, you know, which was a horrible um little in emancipation yeah. as well. Yeah, in emancipation. But then after that, they just let her be a person and she didn't have a chip on her shoulder, she didn't have anything extra to prove. She just mm-hmm. was one of the team. And I feel like if they redo when they bring back Stargate. I just worry that they're not going to do that with their female characters. They're actually, I feel like they're going to regress and we're going to prove that we're equal to men or we're whatever. And it's like, they did that already and they did it beautifully. Well, I, I think if the, the people who run the, who did the expanse, the series, the expanse, the women characters in there by and large were very well done, you know, similar type of things where they were, you know, real people you had, um, what was her name? Uh, Sergeant uh, Draper. Um, was that her name? Or is that the actress's name? Anyways, the, 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 the one female sergeant from Mars who she was, she was military. She was strong. She was fighter, but could also be emotional and could also be, you know, things like mm-hmm. that. So 
um, if they take over Stargate, you know, do the new series or do the new movies or whatever they're going to do, that could be fantastic. I mean, again, mm-hmm. they could have those kind of characters that are, you know, well-rounded characters, well done. Characters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Stargate universe had really deep, well-rounded characters. The only issue was, is that was kind of the focus of the entire first season was just the characters. I mean, mm-hmm. granted the plot too and stuff, but they kind of doubled down on the characters and the reactions between the characters and kind of lost that, Hey, this is supposed to be a, a, a gripping space yarn as mm-hmm. well. And not just about, you know, the <laughs> drama, but they did have very good, um, like women characters on that show from what I can recall. I don't know. I, we, we can talk about that. When well, we get except there, for the I, one who turned I, into a bug or whatever. Yeah. I, I pretty yeah. much hated all the women on that show. Oh. So. <laughs> <laughs> on, on universe. Yeah. Well, you yeah, had the don't. one that was sleeping with her captain and then, and then, oh, just, yeah. I mean, that happens yes. in the military. That happens in real life. I, yeah. know, too. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see, uh, I want to see a crossover between alien and Stargate now and have Sam Carter <laughs> and Amanda Ripley team up. Cause mm. she's another one of the best, uh, women characters in sci-fi. Yeah. That'd be awesome yeah. to see. Let me Google that. There has to be fanfic of that. Oh, I'm, yeah, no. <laughs> Let's yeah. Let's, I think that's a good place fic. to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, but yes, thank you so much for that. Uh, feedback, Victoria. Yeah, great uh, feedback. We love hearing, love hearing from people and we're, uh, we like that you're, uh, enjoying, uh, watching and listening along. I've been really enjoying getting into Stargate. And before we go, we'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of Stargate, including Catherine L., Ross S., James H., Sam Y., and Brent D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com make it possible for us to continue the secrets of Stargate and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com give, and be sure to follow all the shows in Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or on the SQPN YouTube channel. And to find previous episodes of Secrets of Stargate and to send feedback, please visit sqpn.com slash Stargate, and you can email us, like Victoria did, at stargate at sqpn.com, or follow StarQuest on social media at facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or on Twitter at sqpn. And be sure to check out uh, the sqpn Discord channel at sqpn.com slash discord. We'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the next episode of SG-1, Meridian. Until then, Father Corey, thank you for joining us and sharing the secret to Stargate. Thank you, Jack. And Lisa Jones, thank you as well. Thanks, Jack. And Victor Lambs, thank you too. Thanks, Jack. Better late than never, I always say. Yep, I always say that. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) And once again, I'm Jack Barazzini. Thank you for listening to the secret to Stargate on StarQuest. Anyway, I'm sorry, but that just happens to be how I feel about it. What do you think? Here's another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy, PlayStation Portable. Find it wherever fine podcasts are found or at starquest.fm slash PSP.